Thank you for joining us at the First Baptist Church of Coleraine, Massachusetts, as Pastor Jim Rennie continues to faithfully challenge and encourage us in the Word. And it is our prayer that this message will encourage the believer and bring the unbeliever closer to a saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you again for the gifts that you've given to us. Take back those gifts and use them for your glory. Amen. Now let us turn to, back to Daniel. Missed him last week because of Valentine's Day. He's got to chapter 6. And uh, this is obviously familiar to most people whether saved or unsaved. If they don't know anything about the book of Daniel, they've heard this story about Daniel in the lion's den. Amen? All right. Verse 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators Prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that During the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den. And the king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. 
Then they said to the king, Oh, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. Now when the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said to him, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. 
What a wonderful, true story. Amen? Amazing. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we're so thankful to be here this morning. May we be taught and led by your Holy Spirit and give us understanding of your word. And may we apply these practical truths in our daily life and to be like a Daniel. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last me message in Daniel, we learned, just in the way of review, how he interpreted the writing of, on the wall in the palace of King Belshazzar of Babylon. The interpretation meant that the king's time was up and his kingdom would be taken away from him because of his rebellion, his idolatry, and the contempt for the things of God. Remember he drank those temple goblets out, out of those? Before he was slain, having his head crushed by a candelabra, not Liberatus, during the Persian invasion, he had appointed Daniel as the third most powerful man in Babylon. He said, I wonder who was the second one? Well, you do some research, and Nabonidus was Belshazzar's father. He was away a lot, and Belshazzar, being the son of Nabonidus, he reigned in his stead. He was a co-regent. So to give Daniel the third most powerful position in the nation was a high honor. He was highly honored, he was, yes. Okay. So the Babylonians were defeated by Cyrus the Mede. Some people believe that Cyrus and Darius were the same person. I'm still trying to figure that out. I think they weren't, I think they were different. And uh, this is the modern day Iran. These are the Persians. And the, uh, Darius, he became the supreme ruler at the age of 62 years of age. And then he, import, he appointed various administrators, people like the satraps, to rule over certain areas in his kingdom. I've mentioned this before, who were the satraps, and these were the political leaders, okay? The satraps were the political leaders. These were the politicians of the day. Okay. Daniel, at this time, was about in his 80s when the Persians invaded Babylon. He was already a very powerful figure in Babylonian court. He not only survived that previous administration, but now King Darius promoted him to the third most powerful leader, to be the leading administrator over all those other politicians in the land, the satraps. Very good. But as a result of the king's trust in Daniel, 
and his new position as the big kahuna in the new administration. They say it's tough at the top. It created a great amount of jealousy against him because he, he was the third most powerful person in Babylon. Some of these malcontents that were placed under Daniel's authority resented him. They resented it, that he'd been given that promotion, and they plotted to have him put to death. You know, if you've lived long enough, you worked in the secular world or in the church world, this is not uncommon in any generation. Jealousy. In any generation, in any business, or in any church, people who resent anyone who is more popular than them, or they're in a position of authority over them, it offends their sense of entitlement, and it hurts their pride. And they, because they feel inferior and not willing to submit to those in authority, what they do is they attack the leader. Amen? That's what they do. Some people do. So it would never happen in our church, really. It will, it has, and hopefully it won't happen again. Those politicians were no different. They couldn't accuse Daniel of any crime that was legitimate. So they had to come up with a plan to try to have him put to death for some other reason. And they did. It says in verse 5, Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So having come up with this scheme to have Daniel killed, they tricked the king into signing a decree stating that anyone in his kingdom that prayed to any god or man in 30 days, in the next 30 days, they were to be thrown into the lion's den. The edict could not be altered. It was set in stone. And the king signed it into law, not thinking about Daniel's life was on the line, which it was. He liked Daniel. Daniel was a devout man. In all the years that he'd spent in captivity, from the age of 17, remember now he's in his 80s, <clears throat> he never lost his faith in God. And being a Hebrew, he made it a daily discipline to get down on his knees, even in his 80s. He may have got down easy, but it might have been a bit harder to get back up again. <laughs> Those of you who got bad knees... Do what some people do, just use a cushion. He would do that three times a day. Good discipline. He would pray upstairs in his room and he would do it out loud so people could hear him. 
This is a good thing to practice for us in our day to set aside some time in our busy day, our busy schedule, to focus on God. He did it three times a day. To praise him for who he is, for all that he has done, and to ask him not only to help us, but to help others in need. There's so many people in need, isn't there? So many. Now Daniel heard about the decree, this edict that had been put into law, not supposed to pray to any God or man for the next 30 days. He knew it had been signed into law. He knew he was in trouble. His life was on the line. Who wants to be thrown into a lion's den? Nobody. But instead of panicking, what did he do? He got down on his knees. He got down on the knees and he prayed and asked God for help. He brought the issue before the Lord. This is what we need to do. Everything. Bring the issue before the Lord that he had no control over. It was set in stone. He was going to be thrown into the lion's den in his 80s. Daniel was in the habit of praying three times a day, and he prayed out loud. So these spies came in, listened, Remember, the window was open, and they could hear him praying. Oh, great. We got him now. We've got him. He's done. He's going to be the lion's next meal. So his enemies reported it back to the king, and because the law could not be changed, Darius had no choice but to have Daniel arrested and sentenced to death. And those troublemakers made sure the king clearly understood that he couldn't go against his own decree, even if he wanted to, which I believe he did. If he went against what he'd put into law, he'd lose face, wouldn't he, amongst his subjects. So he had no choice but to follow through with what he put into law. However, he was very upset having learned that Daniel was going to be thrown into the lion's den. Like I said, he liked Daniel. He respected Daniel. And then at the least he could do was give Daniel more time to reconsider and be saved. Verse 14, then the king heard this. He was greatly distressed, but he was determined to rescue Daniel. And he made every effort until sundown to save him. And Daniel wasn't going to change his mind. He wasn't going to change a habit of a lifetime. This, you know, some habits are bad. Some habits we need to avoid. But this is a good habit, to pray three times a day. So reluctantly, the king had to follow through. 
and he gave the orders for Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den, those very hungry, salvinating lions expecting a free meal. However, he hoped, did Darius, that Daniel's God would rescue him for his sake and save him. And this is what God has done for us, has he not? For us believers, we were under a death sentence, weren't we? Because of our sins, we were under a death sentence. Then God sent his only begotten son, Jesus, who came to rescue us from the clutches of the devil and to save us from our sins. Hallelujah. What a savior. And then we learned about how Daniel's God, our God, he hasn't changed, rescued the man of God. Daniel was put inside. He said they threw him in. He's 80 years old. They threw him in. The lion's den. And that upset the king so much that he couldn't sleep a wink all night. You ever had something bothering you so much that you can't sleep? Well, you can relate to how Darius felt. And that's one thing that money cannot buy. It's one thing that power cannot buy is a clear conscience. It's a clear conscience. And it's good to remember that confession is good for the soul. Confession is good for the soul. You want a clear conscience? Confess it to God, whatever that is. Now, even though Darius didn't have the same amount of faith that Daniel had, he must have had some faith. Because he was believing and hoping that Daniel's God could rescue him. Because first thing in the morning, after a sleepless night, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called Daniel in an anguished voice. See, if he didn't believe that Daniel's God could rescue him, he wouldn't have gone to the den and asked the question, would he? He said, sheepishly, in an anguished voice, he was hoping, Daniel is outside the den. Imagine, big stone in front of the den. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And he waited. He asked the question. And he was hoping that Daniel would answer him. But then he thought, he must be dead by now. So he waited. 
and he heard the voice of Daniel inside the cave. And he said, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. Didn't need any duct tape. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before your majesty. See the respect that he's showing this friend, this king. Now we should always remember to give glory to God when he answers our prayers. To praise him and to give him all the credit when he listens to us and he answers us. Daniel was saved by his enemies, from his enemies, and they were condemned. They wanted Daniel condemned, but he was rescued. So here we have old man Daniel in that pit all night and very glad to be lifted out of that cave to see the smiling face of King Darius, who was so pleased to see him, completely unharmed. Remember, they threw him in, and there was not a wound on him, not a mark. The king, verse 23, was so overjoyed, I wonder if he did a dance, the king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den and when Daniel was lifted out from the den no wound was found on him you can ask why and it tells us because he had trusted in his God this is what we need to do every day to trust in God no wound on him. And it reminds us, or it should, that Jesus bore our wounds in his body on the cross so that we wouldn't be wounded for our sins. By his stripes, we are healed. We are healed spiritually no longer condemned. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a savior. So this Daniel's miraculous survival against all the odds convinced the king that what Daniel told him was the truth. That he was an innocent man who had been plotted against by his jealous enemies. And what happened? And so, at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in. I wonder what the expression on their faces were like when they saw Daniel. Oh, that guy should be dead. Now we're in big trouble. They were brought in, and then they were thrown into the lion's den. And not just them, 
their wives and their children as well. Now, no matter how some people try to discredit us and to tell lies about us, God will always exonerate true believers. Always. May take some time, but the truth will come out. The truth comes out in the end. And those lions that hadn't been fed all night because the angel had shut their mouths, they'd been working up a ferocious appetite all night. You ever worked up a ferocious appetite? Some have a ferocious appetite 24-7. So instead of eating good kosher Hebrew meat, they ate political heathen meat. Wouldn't that be good today, no? Political heathen meat. And before they reached the floor of the den, these are the political, the politicians, their wives and their children. It says the lions overpowered them and they crushed all their bones. What a way to go. And you can't help feeling sorry for the wives and the children, can you? They're being eaten alive by these lions. So this proves that sin not only affects the sinner, sin also affects other people that the sinner associates with. You say, well, they were innocent. But we're all guilty. We're all sinners. And this is why Jesus had to come, to save us and rescue us. So I was so impressed by these amazing signs and wonders and the miraculous rescue of Daniel. Darius became a true believer in Daniel's God. This heathen king, he became a true believer. And then what should be automatic when you become a true believer, when you are truly born again, you want to share your faith with other people. And I mean, they think you're crazy and you've lost your mind. Well, that's okay. But what happens is you've lost your heart to Jesus. He becomes your all in all. They thought I was, I'd gone crazy. He'll get over it. It's just a phase. He'll get over it. I still haven't got over it and I never will. That was back in 1982. Work out the math. I'll never get over it. It was a real and true conversion. Thank God. And Darius wanted to share his faith like we should be doing because they're lost. They're going to hell. They're going to burn in the lake of fire. Then the king Darius wrote to all the nations and the peoples of every language in all the world. This is what the church is commissioned to do. It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature so that they can be saved. 
So, instead of Daniel suffering the very painful death at the hands of his enemies, he went on to fill his calling as one of the most powerful men in the kingdom. Let's wrap it up. Conclude. Put a lid on it. Whatever vernacular word you want to use. This chapter helps us to understand not only how believers will be persecuted for their faith, they will be falsely accused because of their faith, but also how such persecution can even become a law. Wait for it. The persecution against Christians can become a law. Laws that try to force believers into breaking those laws that oppose the laws of God. It's not something new. It happened with Daniel and it's probably going to happen, I should say definitely, with believers in Jesus Christ in the future. We also learn how God is able to rescue his people when he chooses to. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Even when men are powerless, God is almighty. He's able to rescue his people. This is also a reminder to us the importance of prayer and a disciplined life. Make it our life, our pursuit of godliness in a wicked and perverse generation. Make it a regular habit to pray, regardless of the danger, regardless of the circumstances. So there's a very practical message this morning for us. And if, we don't, if I don't offer you practical lessons that we could put to use in our daily life, all you're listening to is a history lesson. Amen? Let's close with the words of Darius. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves us. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. God hasn't changed. He's still the same God who lives forever, who performs miracles, who rescues and saves people from their sins. Amen? He hasn't changed. He's still the same. Thank God that he is. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are awesome. 
You are almighty. Words cannot begin to explain how great thou art. And you haven't changed. And this is a different dispensation, a different time in history, but you're still the same. And we thank you that you rescue us, you save us, you exonerate us, even admits false accusations and persecutions. And when we go through those things, it's very painful and hurtful and upsetting. But let's remember what Daniel did. He prayed, he got down on his knees, those feeble knees, three times a day. And he prayed to the God of heaven for help. And you were gracious enough to answer his prayers, and as a result of that, his enemies were vanquished, and the great king, who was the leader of the greatest empire in the world at that time, Darius, became a true believer. He became a brothering of Daniel, a true believer. And one day, we're going to see Daniel and we're going to see Darius in glory. Now, some of you that's listening to this message, wherever you may be, you, you're not assured that you're going to go to heaven. You hope you will. But you can be certain if you receive Jesus who died for you, a sinner, believe in your heart that he suffered and died and bled for you so you wouldn't have to be punished for your sins that you've committed. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and call upon his name to save you. It doesn't, it's not that difficult, but you must believe by faith that Jesus died for you, a sinner, and that he rose again from the dead and he is alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for tuning in. You can find our podcasts on Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find podcasts. We'd love for you to join us at the First Baptist Church in Colerain for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. We are located at 81 Foundry Village Road, Colerain, Massachusetts. If you have any questions or inquiries, please feel free to call the church at 413-624-8886. Hope to see you soon. God bless.